Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody and welcome to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am joined by Hannah Gordon, Chief Administrative Officer and General Counsel for the San Francisco 49ers. Hannah began her career in sports as the first female beat writer for the UCLA Bruins football team and has grown from there. She has worked in so many different areas from PR to the NFL, to now with the San Francisco 49ers and time at a law firm in between. So we have a fantastic episode today. Her journey is super interesting and she has wonderful advice for everyone looking to get into sports. So before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Now let's get to it, Fangirls. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm glad to be here. So I want to jump right in and talk about, as a beat writer, I'm very excited to know that you were the first female beat writer for UCLA football. Could you talk a little bit about that experience, how that came about, and how you were welcomed in by the other beat writers? Sure. Um, It was probably the most formative experience that really set the path for the rest of my career. When I got to UCLA as a freshman, I was trying to figure out what did I want to do as an adult. Um, And I had started to fall in love with football, watching it a little bit in high school. I did not grow up in a family where we watched sports really at all. Um, And I knew I loved writing. And my freshman year was the first year of the Lakers three-peat in LA. Um, I am from Oakland. I'm a Warriors fan, just just to be clear. Uh, (laughs) However, um, it was a really exciting time in the community. I was watching a ton of sports um, because I was a little bit of a homesick freshman. And I saw Hannah Storm hosting the halftime show during the playoffs. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I loved, she was so smart and funny. And just the way she kind of monitored sort of finesse this whole banter among everybody I was like that looks like such a fun job that doesn't even look like work like how do I do that um and so I started to look into it realized that I should you know learn journalism at UCLA journalism is very hands-on it's not an academic major you apply to the paper essentially and at that time it was really just the newspaper they were starting a little bit of a tv station um and so I applied to the paper I covered tennis for my sophomore year um, which was a great experience. Stella Sampras, um, who's Pete Sampras's sister, is the tennis coach at UCLA. She's still there. She was probably in her first couple years when I was there, um, and she really welcomed me in. I frankly knew very little about tennis um, at the time that I started and, <laughs> and learned a lot on the job. And then I applied for the football beat my junior year. Um, I got it. I was so excited. The um, SID at the time, Mark Dellens, let me know that in the hundred, well, now it's a hundred years old. At that time, it would have been about 80 years of the paper. There had never been a female beat writer on the football beat. Um, And it was a great experience. They really welcomed me in. Um, The coaches were amazing. The players were great. And just telling the stories, learning the game. I mean, there was no better way to learn the game. I used to 
I actually was just visiting UCLA a few weeks ago um, and learned that the writers don't sit out there at practice all day, every day anymore. And I was like, oh man, because when I was here, that's where I spent every afternoon was I watched all of practice. I diagram plays in my notebook. Um, they would joke like if my notebook got lost, I was in big, big trouble. Um, and that was the way that I really learned the game. That's awesome. I was a, a beat writer in sports at the University of Michigan. And that's what I would do too. But I covered volleyball, which I knew very little about. And then I covered wrestling. And I ended up being like the greatest wrestling writer they ever had because I went to practice every day mm -hmm. and I went to every meet and I did special features. It was probably the somewhere the genesis of five fun facts. And I think that is the most valuable experience for a beat writer to be at college, especially a big university, mm -hmm. and to get to really ingratiate in a team in the day-to-day -day and really work. So I think that's just amazing. So now, of course, you are not a beat writer. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the transition. I know there was law school, there was time mm -hmm. at the NFL, and then at the 49ers. And I want to delve deeper into that um, with some of our questions, but just kind of an overview of how you ended up here and then what it's like to be doing what you're doing here. Yeah, so it was really writing for the paper that got me my first internship in the NFL. Um, I was a PR intern for the Raiders, and they had me writing a lot of website content because at the time, digital media and PR were sort of all one thing. Um, and from there, it was actually a, a really wonderful time to be a PR intern because it was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Um, so when I was home for games over Thanksgiving or Christmas, I would work, and then the Super Bowl was in San Diego. And I remember they called me um, because this is also before they put Pro Bowl in between, so you only had a week. They called me right off there. They won the AFC championship, my old boss, and said, all right, get in the car and drive to San Diego. Like, we want you to work all week. And I was such a studious little girl that I said, okay, but I think I need to go see all my professors in the morning and tell them that I'm missing school for the week for the Super Bowl. Um, and they said, what are you talking about? Just get in the car and go. Um, so I worked all that week at Super Bowl. I did go see my professors. Did they the understand? Morning. They did understand. Okay. One of them was a little, was like the Super Bowl. What's this? Um, <laughs> but, but it was a great experience. And really my time there led to a lot of my internships. So I interned at Fox Sports West in production. And that was really the result of somebody from Fox Sports West being out at practice practice, seeing me starting to chat with me and saying, Hey, like, are you interested in this? Um, so it really is sort of the basis of everything that happened. And then after I graduated, I went to the NFL Players Association. Um, and that was also the result of me writing at the paper because I did a story on unionization of college athletes, contacted the NFLPA to interview them. And at the end of the interview, I said, by the way, I'm a graduating senior and I'd love to go <laughs> intern for you. Can I send you my resume? Can I do an Smart. informational interview? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that led to my time there. Um, so I spent a season there writing content for their website. It, it was at a time when people um, didn't put a lot of focus necessarily on that and also didn't have a lot of things they created. So I did like a DJ contest. I actually still have CDs that like Ed Reed sent in um, to, <laughs> to compete in our DJ contest. Um, if people know what CDs are anymore. Um, <laughs> and I would do what we would call player journals, which would be like the equivalent now of like blogs or a day in the life or something like that, where every Monday morning I would call players and have them tell me about their day, about their game, um, and help them sort of create their own content. Um, after the NFLPA, I went to UC Berkeley and worked in their media relations department doing media relations for football, track, and swimming. Um, and while I was there, I decided to apply to law school. Um, once I got into law school, I went to my boss, um, the same day that Aaron Rodgers declared early for the draft and he was like, Oh, Aaron's declared early. 
I said, oh, Bob, FYI, I'm also leaving. Um, <laughs> it was probably, a, I would imagine, his biggest story. Um, yes, yeah, sadly, it was not. <laughs> that, suddenly, no one really cared other than my boss, um, who was very upset um, that I was leaving because it was more unexpected than, than Aaron leaving. Um, <laughs> and I went to Octagon, which is a sports agency, um, and worked in their football division for about six months before starting law school because I knew I wanted to have that agent experience. Um, in law school, I was a law clerk for the Raiders again um and then went to a law firm in dc for my second summer then went to a law firm after graduation and then to the nfl and now here that is a a very that is a good journey and you said something that i just want to highlight that you went up to someone and said i'm a graduating senior and i'd like to intern and i just want to highlight that because i want our listeners listeners to know how important it is to be your advocate your own best Mm -hmm. advocate and to not be scared to let people know that you want to work for them and that you want a job. So I just wanted to take a moment and really highlight that because I think it's just an important quality and probably the big reason as to why you are where you are now. So before we get into your day-to-day here with the 49ers, can you talk a little bit about one challenge that you face in the sports industry? You and I have talked a little bit about this and something that you dealt with in your past. And I think this is a really good lesson for a lot mm-hmm. of our listeners. Sure. Um, So I've faced a gajillion challenges um, in in the past. And so I think the big lesson throughout all of them has been the bounce back, has been the resilience. Um, But picking just one very specific example, um, when I got to the NFL League office, I was the only woman in my department, a department of about 10 people, other than we did have one um, administrative assistant who was female. Um, and it was a really different environment than I had ever worked in, um, not because it was more male, but because I was sort of a geographic outsider. I was the Californian um, in a very East Coast um, place. And generally, I think people tried to um, invite me in, but there was one person who was not fond of me um, pretty much from the beginning. Um, and at that time in my life, I was a real people pleaser. I was somebody who had always gotten straight A's, who was always the, you know, star employee working really hard. And I was sort of accustomed to that type of affirmation (laughs) and wanting always, you know, being very eager um, to make other people happy and make them proud. Um, And so it was really hard for me that this person didn't like me. It was really the first time I'd had somebody really seem to dislike me on a very personal level. Um, And so for a while, I, I just kept thinking, oh, well, I'll just I'll keep trying and eventually they'll come around. Um, and it got to the point where my boss came to see me and said, you know, you have to confront this person. Um, you need to have a conversation with him um, about the fact that he's excluding you from, from meetings and everything else. Um, and I remember the tears started to sort of well up in my eyes and I turned, you know, my face turned red and he said, there's no crying in football. Um, he was very like scared or, or uncomfortable with the tears. Um, and it was actually a great way to sort of break the moment because then it made me laugh. Um, and I felt like he was Tom Hanks and I was, was it Gina Davis, um, in a league of their own when he says mm-hmm. there's no crying in baseball. Um, and so I did go see the person, um, and had a conversation and it was very clear. I, you know, I said, I, I noticed that you don't invite me to the meetings that every single other person is invited to. Um, and he said, this is not the Oprah show. I'm not here to entertain you. Um, and 
from that point forward, I understood much better <laughs> that this was not going to change. This person was never going to like me. Um, and I needed to stop wasting energy on that. Um, and so to me, it was really a lesson that like, not everybody's going to like you both in your life and your career. And you can't let that impact you because it really did at the time shake my confidence in myself because I started to question, you know, am I not good at something that I'm doing? Am I not smart? Am I not a nice person? Like what, you know, what am I doing wrong? Um, and so I think that for me was a really important lesson in like, you have to just let some people go. And a lesson I've learned in those times too is most of the time it's not personal. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great you confronted him and then you just had to let it go. Um, we're going to continue just a little bit on the downer part of the podcast <laughs> and, if you, and then we're going to move into super fun stuff. But I read when we talked about one of your most memorable rejections, which mm -hmm. I think also for our listeners, you know, this podcast is really all about women who want to work in sports yeah. and to get advice and to learn. And you are such an amazing person to learn from. And when we talked about your most memorable rejection, it really resonated. So I was hoping you could share that with our listeners as well. Absolutely. And I actually, I don't think of this as the downer part good, because good. <laughs> to me, like I like telling people the ugly stories because it actually, it makes me concerned when people say, Oh, it looks like you're having so much fun. You're always out of the office. And I'm like, girl, if you knew <laughs> how ugly things can be sometimes, um, I want people to know like, it's okay when something goes wrong. It doesn't mean the rest of your life is going to go wrong. It just means that was one moment in your life and hopefully you're going to learn from it. Um, so for me, probably the, one of the big turning points and memorable rejections is that after law school, I went to go work at a law firm, um, Latham & Watkins, which is a huge, huge law firm with over 2,000 lawyers worldwide. I was working in a relatively small office, San Francisco, um, and I graduated from law school right as the economy was crashing to sort of the, the worst crash since the Great Depression um, in 2008, and then working there in 2009 as the economic meltdown continued. Um, and it was very clear from the beginning that, um, that people were going to get laid off eventually, that, that the economy was, was headed in a very bad direction. Um, and so I was not surprised when months later, um, I was one of the hundreds of associates who were let go. Um, and especially, and I always, as people ask for sort of specific career advice, I always remind them to really understand who their boss is and who they're connected to, because I chose to go to a firm that I hadn't summered at. So I really had no connections. Um, and also I chose to go to a firm that had an, what we call an unassigned associate system. So you weren't specializing in anything, okay. which meant you were extremely disposable. Um, <laughs> and also I, I had been interested in corporate work and they laid off the entire corporate associates. Um, so it was a great experience because, um, not because I sat on my couch crying for the next six months, which I did pretty much cry about once a day <laughs> for, for several months thinking that I would never work again. Cause at the time, you know, firms weren't hiring. Mm -hmm. and, and to be fair for, I joke about it now, but you know, millions of Americans lost their homes. Like it was a very serious time and I'm very fortunate um, with the way things ended up. But the reason that I was grateful for it is that I knew that I wasn't living the life I was supposed to be living or that I wanted to be living. So when I was working at the firm, I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. Um, it was a very prestigious job. And yet I felt like this is not me. Like this mm -hmm. isn't what I want to do. Like I want to be working in sports. Um, and so when I ended up at the league office making half as much money as I'd made at the firm, I was so much happier. So like for me, it was a great thing because I would have stayed at a firm longer if they hadn't laid me off. And instead, I got to make the leap to what I really wanted to do much sooner. 
Um, and, and I got to live the life that really did feel like me. And, and that's, to me, what's most important in my life is to be true to myself in that way. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. The process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399, that's $399 or more, at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BlueWire, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try it for free. Sports.axios.com. And so now here we are, and you are the Chief Administrative Officer and General Counsel for the San Francisco 49ers, which is a really awesome and impressive title. But I think for a lot of our listeners, they don't know what that entails. So if you could talk a little bit about what that entails, and then this is one of my favorite things to do on the podcast, and I think you're going to really get specific with it. I would love a day in the life of Hannah Gordon on a weekday and then on a game day. And I love everyone to talk about game day so that people do understand it is sports and it is fun. It is a game, but it is work and it is a lot of work. So I know those were three big asks right there, but we'll start with what it entails and then we'll do the day of the life. Sure. Um, what I like about my job is there's so much variety. So when I try to tell people what I do, sometimes it's hard because I get to touch everything in mm -hmm. our business. Like whether we're buying new sports science equipment, whether it's the naming rights partnership, whether it's, um, you know, yesterday we got to go to juvenile hall with some of our social justice work. Like what I like is the variety that I do touch everything in the business um, across the stadium, the football team um, and some of our other businesses. And so I, I guess that's sort of the short answer when I describe to people kind of what we do. Um, we on the legal side, I sort of thinking, think of it as advancing the brand and the business. Um, sometimes jokingly, we say, you know, we protect big, strong men when they can't protect themselves. <laughs> um, and on the kind of community impact side of things, the way I think of it is we really touch every person who could have a relationship with our team who may or may not be a customer. So whether that's a child or a teacher or a community member or 
governor, whoever it is, um, we don't care whether or not we have a commercial relationship, but we want to have a relationship with every single person, um, both in the Bay Area and even nationally and abroad. Um, a day in the life. Okay. Um, wake up. At, I'm just going to like do today off of what I can remember. Um, <laughs> wake up at six. Um, try to like journal or write first. Um, which is hard to be disciplined about when you want to still stay asleep. Um, and then sure. roll out of bed, throw on the sweats, um, come in, go to the gym, um, work out, go home. Time like stops, disappears. I don't know what happens to time, but all of a sudden <laughs> I'm late to work. And this um, <laughs> time I get in the car, come back in, um, eat breakfast because I'm a big believer in breakfast. Um, shout out to Alfredo and Araceli and Daniel <laughs> at the 49ers Cafe because they make the best breakfast in the whole world. Um, and then usually just meetings on meetings um, all day long. And then at five, you realize you have like 250 unread emails and then you need to start working on that. And then like last night, my parents called me at 8.30 and I was like, is everything okay? My dad said, oh, my cousin in Sweden posted something on Facebook and I want to reply and I don't know how. And I said, I'm at work right now. And they said, oh, okay, sorry. Well, help us figure this out and then finish your work and then you can go home. Um, <laughs> so I went home at like nine o'clock last night and crashed to sleep. Um, so that's a weekday. Um, and Facebook then, emergency. Yeah, Facebook emergency. Um, and on a, on a game day, um, I try to get to the stadium three hours before kickoff. Um, it's like a weird, like I don't need, I probably don't need to be there until more like two hours before, but it's like you want to get, like you're kind of have this nervous energy on game day and like you want to get to the stadium. You want to kind of like see that everything's okay and like get just the vibe, like feel the weather, whatever it is. Um, and then two hours before probably just kind of start making a laugh, trying to see people from the other team who I know, because usually our guests won't come until closer to like 90 minutes before kickoff. And then depending who we may be hosting, um, we'll be visiting with people, taking them around, um, keeping an eye on our 50-50 raffle and where our numbers are at, seeing, you know, what, what kids are out for the Anthem team, giving them a high five. Um, and then I'm always hopeful that people will let me watch the game uh, because sometimes <laughs> when you have guests, you know, they want to chat and I'm always like, oh, because I sort of grew up quote unquote in football in a press box. Like mm -hmm. I, it took me a long time to get used to not being in a completely quiet environment watching a game. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, so that, that has been a shift and an adjustment. Um, and then when the game is over, oftentimes I'll go home and try to watch the broadcast. If, if there was stuff going on where I couldn't see everything, um, and then watch football night in America, watch the Sunday night game and that's a game day. Let's say, uh, that's a solid game day. So everybody just remember that when you're tired after the tailgate, just remember what Hannah's day is like, <laughs> you're going to be fine. Um, so I want to shift a little bit and talk about women of the Niners, obviously Fangirl Sports Network. We're very mm -hmm. focused on women. And this is a great thing that you guys started in 2018, if I am correct. Mm -hmm. So if you could just talk a little bit about the genesis of that and what you guys have been doing and how people can get involved would be great. Absolutely. Well, let me start with how you can get involved, which is you can go to our website and sign up for free. Um, I believe it's 49ers.com slash one, because um, we definitely want all the fans. And it's W-O-N. W-O-N. Thank you. Women of the Niners, W-O-N. One, like as in we won, <laughs> like we did the last six games to start this <laughs> season. Um so I would love for all of your fangirls to be part of it because I think yeah. we have so much that we cross over on mm -hmm. in terms of content. We're always looking to collab with you um, because you do great work. And I think the types of things that you do is part of what inspired us. So there, I want to also give credit to the organization actually had 
um, a fan club for women since 2011 or 12. Um, but we really wanted to kind of revamp it. We felt like it was a time to try to reach even more women. Um, one of the things that I love about one is it really has appealed to many of our most avid fans. Um, and so I think that there's a misconception out there that women's fan engagement platforms are um, to give out recipes only and to, you know, that they aren't like serious for serious football mm -hmm. fans. And that's not true at all of ours. I think we've had women out to training camp to meet coach Sowers. We've had a football one-on-one, one-on-one clinic um, where Sally who's one of our scouts as well as many of our other scouts and coaches taught. Um, and I remember after Sally was like, they came with some of the best questions I've seen <laughs> anybody come with, you know, like they're very serious. We've had events that you've been at um, mm -hmm. with beat writers um, in terms of a happy hour. And so, I think one of the nice things about one is we get a real cross section of fans across totally different demographics, age wise, racially. Um, but all that matters is they're all 49ers fans mm -hmm. um, and they all have that in common and they're all women. And so it's, it's both a community it's event based, but it's also content based. So we launched when we launched one, we also created a monthly digital magazine. Um, so when you sign up, you get that for free and you get unique content that both highlights women fans it highlights our players women who are important to them um so that's a little bit about that and I also need to shout out there's actually a man who runs that club who is so devoted to it nick clark um and nick is he leads fan engagement and he's just fantastic like he 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 comes from disney where i think there's a real tradition of service and how do you serve clients and guests um and he brings that to everything he does um and it's, it's just wonderful to see how committed he is to all of that. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's good. So just to reiterate, 49ers.com slash one W O N and it's free F R E E free. So yes. that is very exciting. So you were named to Silicon Valley business journals, 100 women of influence, which is again, a very long title that I want to make sure I got right. And we talked a little bit about some of the influence that you've had here um, with the 49ers, with the stadium. So I'd love for you to talk about that and then delve very much into 49ers pride because I think that is such mm -hmm. a cool thing that this organization Thank does. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was really I was really honored to be named a woman of influence. And I think one of the reasons is that I like the word influence mm -hmm. because I think it's a important word because influence is a very specific type of power. It's sort of a, a soft power that is given to you by others. And so it's different than the power that comes from authority or the power that comes from the use of brute force. It means that you have the skill to bring others along, to set a course of where you're trying to go, get others to see that vision and actually execute on it. And so to me, like that was what was such a high honor about that um, particular award. And in terms of things that have been influenced here and 49ers pride, Another shout out to Nick Clark, who is so devoted to that club and has really done a fabulous job with it. We launched the first ever um, LGBTQ plus and ally fan engagement platform or group, um, 49ers Pride in June. Um, we started with an announcement that we did um, hosting a whole event with the San Jose State uh, in Institute for the Study of Sports Society and Social Change and Athlete Ally. So we hosted a whole day really reflecting on the history of LGBTQ plus athletes in sport, um, the role of LGBTQ plus activism in sport, um, and then launching this club because to us as the 49ers, we're all about family, right? This is a family owned business. 
it's our internal motto in terms of the way that we treat our employees as well as our, our guests is to treat, to go one step further, to make everyone feel a part of the family or make someone feel a part of the family. And so if you haven't welcomed everyone in, in a really specific way, they may not feel like family. They may not feel excluded, but sometimes when you've had experiences in society that make you wonder if you're a part of the family, it's important to specifically call that out to say, Hey, I see you and you're part of the 49ers family. And so I think what was so rewarding about it was the reaction. Like the reaction was so overwhelmingly positive. We had people writing in saying like, I've been a 49ers fan my whole life. I always, I never felt excluded, but now I really feel like people without us sort of using this word family said, I really feel a part of the family now. Like I feel so welcome like this. Like we had people sending in videos crying. Like it was, it was really overwhelming. Um, and, it, and then later that month, we actually marched in the Pride Parade um, in San Francisco for the first time. We'd supported the Pride Parade for years, but it was the first time that we actually invited out our employees, our fans to march with us. And we had about 150 people and it was a great time. Um, and then this fall, we had an away game watch party in the Castro um, and another like just a wonderful time. It's just a time for people to like hang out with each other. Again, build community, I think is like a theme throughout a lot of what we're doing. It's fantastic. Switching gears a little bit, um, can you talk a little bit about your biggest mentor or mentors, as I know you've had mm -hmm. quite a few in your career, and kind of what they've taught you along the way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here, you know, it takes a village. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of people that I need to be thankful for. I mean, here, Patty Inglis, Al Guido, Prague Morante. Prague is the one who called me when I worked at the league office and asked me to come interview for this job, who really mm -hmm. recruited me here and, and like scouted mm -hmm. me when I was at the league office. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Dr. Edwards and Pastor Earl and Keena Turner, um, and at the league, Peter Rucco and Ed Ty and Troy Vincent and Jocelyn Moore and Anastasia Danius, who's now at MLS. Um, and Bob Rose, who I mentioned was my boss at Cal, um, people at the Raiders, Amy Trask, who I know you already interviewed mm -hmm. on this podcast, who's such an inspiration. Um, there've been so many people throughout my life. I mean, I probably learned different things from all of them. And actually I should also mention Dan Nash and Stacey Eisenstein at Aiken Gump, um, I think for, you know, I think when people ask about mentors, oftentimes they think the person needs to be like in a formal mentoring program mm -hmm. or that you need to go mm -hmm. up to somebody and be like, hi, I think you're really cool. Will you be my mentor? <laughs> um, and for me, most of the people who are my mentors are either former bosses, former colleagues. Um, somehow we cross paths more organically in life. Mm -hmm. Now I have participated in a lot of formal mentoring programs and, and you can develop relationships from there also. Um, but I think people should be open-minded sort of about like what that means. And also that you don't just have to have one mentor in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and probably different people will be mentors in different ways and different aspects of your life. Um, in terms of the advice or counsel, I mean, I've gotten a lot of, a lot of advice mm -hmm. from all of them in different ways over the years. Um, but one that stands out, especially because she was important, like woman, um, kind of, I always hesitate to use the like term work mom, because I think it's like, it, it has a connotation that I don't like, <laughs> but Patty definitely has, has been kind of a, a guide to me in many ways. And I remember one of the important lessons that she taught me and she's very skilled and influential mm -hmm. in that she she knows how to tell you something in a way that you can hear it. Mm -hmm. um, so she won't just say like, hey, you're doing this wrong. She'll, so she, she formed this very much in a compliment. She said, hey, you're really smart. You get to the answer faster than other people. Um, however, you're the type of person who wants to get to the answer as fast as possible and move on. And that means that other people at the table feel like 
they kind of just got steamrolled, <laughs> like, right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that you have just moved on onto the next thing. And sometimes people need to feel heard just to feel heard, or they need some time to get there with you. Um, and so that was a huge lesson to me in listening just to listen, not mm-hmm. because I need, I'm necessarily, it's going to change something on the path down which we're going, but that sometimes you need to just slow down and listen mm-hmm. just to listen. Um, and so that's been very useful for me. And I still, because I'm somebody who moves quickly, have to like remind myself to slow down. Um, but I think it's been helpful in that now I can sort of get us where we need to go without sacrificing culture, like know what we need to do for the business without sacrificing on the people side. That is excellent advice. And I really like her approach and what you said, I think generally in life is good advice that sometimes when you want to give advice or some sort of constructive feedback, it's best to start with a compliment Mm -hmm. and go from there. So I think that is great advice. So along those lines as an unofficial mentor to everybody listening, (laughs) what is the advice that you would give to women or men that are trying to break into the sports industry? Oh, I have so much advice for you. Um, and I love the Bring idea <laughs> of, of ment- mentoring all of you through this podcast. Um, so one thing I would say is to figure out what it is you want to do if it's not in sports. So let, let's let just assume that for whatever reason, you're never going to work in sports or you're going to leave and never come back, whatever it is, what is it that you would enjoy doing most? And to me, that's the thing you should be doing in sports for a couple reasons. One, like you won't actually love it if you're doing something you hate, even if it's in an industry that you like. Mm -hmm. Two, this is an extremely competitive industry and you have to be the best at what you do. And I think it's pretty much impossible to be the best at something that you don't truly love and are passionate about. Um, And frankly, from a practical perspective, because you may work in different industries, it's good to do something that you actually (laughs) like. Um, So I really encourage people to do that. And one of the mistakes I see people make is they apply to every single job, especially very early in their careers, every single job that's available um, in every department. And that gets flagged by HR as like, oh, this person's just trying to get in. They mm-hmm. don't actually want to work in for this opening that we have. Um, and we don't want somebody who's just trying to get here so they can do something else. We want somebody who's going to fulfill this job. Mm-hmm. Um, the other mistake that I see people make is that they focus in their cover letter or in their interview on, oh, I really love sports. Well, that's very nice. You and thankfully, you know, we wouldn't have a business if, you know, hundreds of millions of other Americans didn't love sports and people around the world. Um, So instead of focusing on, hey, I love sports, I think you need to focus on, hey, here's the unique value that I bring to the team and how I think can help you advance. So you need to focus on what can you do for the employer, not what the employer can do for you. And then lastly, since I mentioned cover letters, please have a cover letter, young people um, and old people, all of us. um, I I really encourage people like think about your resume. I mean, we actually just had a session because we do try to um, build a culture here where people can advance. We have lots of amazing people who are part-time teachers in our EDU program or who are part-time in our museum. And so we just did a Q and A with, um, the VP of HR and me just to chat about what are they interested in? Cause a lot of them want to do full-time jobs in sports. Eventually some of them are college students. And we talked about all of these things of having a cover letter of having a resume. That's not more than a page long, unless you have at least 20 years of work experience. Um, just so that you know that people only have seven seconds generally mm-hmm. to look at your resume. And so you want to make sure that it's very clear and concise and that you're emphasizing the things that you want to emphasize. 
So those would be, that was my school mom self, our, our director of security used to call me the school mom because I whip out the red <laughs> pen on every document and start marking it up. But that's, that's my school mom advice for you. Uh, that is excellent advice. And I am going to just add to that, spell people's names right. Because mm, mm-hmm. I get a lot of that. And spell the name of the organization right. Mm. I sometimes get emails of people who say they want to work for fans, girls, sports networks. <laughs> and I know where they're going. But, <laughs> and the other thing I get a lot of, and this is just do your research, I get a lot of emails that say, I'm a huge Jets fan. Well, I don't get a lot of that, but let's pretend. <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Jets fan. Do you have anyone that covers the Jets? Well, it takes about 10 mm-hmm. seconds to Google Jets fangirl. So do your research, yes. spell things right, and advice. follow all of Hannah's advice because it was excellent. Uh, we are now coming to my favorite part of the podcast. And really, I think you all know my favorite part of life, at least my professional life, five fun facts. <laughs> and so every week we do five fun facts with our Get My Job guests, and everybody answers the same ones. Uh, so I will just read them off, and then you can go ahead and tell me your favorite moment in sports, which is one of mine as well. Winning the NFC championship. I will never forget that feeling um, because it was this, first of all, it's just the elation of winning. And then you want to be with everybody else because that's the beauty of team sports Mm -hmm. is this collective joy. And so I was racing to get down from the suite level to the field. This is the Georgia Dome, right? This is in the old Georgia Dome. And it's so funny how like your memory feels you. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there was confetti coming down. I'm like, but it wasn't our stadium. But I was like, oh, but it's an NFL playoff game because it felt like a snow globe like where there's confetti coming down and I'm trying to get down, but everyone is trying to get out. And so I'm like racing against um, like the sort of the crowd. And it's just that feeling of winning, of getting like to where you have all been working together to get to. It's the best feeling in the world. That That is definitely the happiest moment in my career. That's very, that's a good one. Um, life motto or words that you live by? Oh God. Um, I would say, life motto would be to live like a courageous life courageous in that you are living true to yourself doing right by yourself and by others go to workout dancing never not dancing yes don't worry guys i'll post a picture of her in the hat um your go-to coffee or tea order i found that not everyone drinks coffee which is an anomaly to me but not everybody does (laughs) I do not drink coffee, um, but in a moment of weakness, I will get a boba tea. Okay. And last but not least, a book every woman should read. Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. All right. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. This was really fun. Really fun. Thank you, Tracy. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, all. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.